Greater Columbus Sports Commission is proud to celebrate the history of women's athletes and the 50th anniversary of Title IX with a new podcast. The Starting Nine Up podcast will feature some of the most important female voices in local sports. Hosted by iHeartMedia's Matt McCoy, Starting Nine Up explores stories you may be familiar with and others you might be hearing for the first time. Listen and subscribe to Starting Nine Up, a Title IX podcast on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's humid, sweaty, and sticky. Summer can be really uncomfortable. But we're actually talking about your mattress. Don't worry, though. Nectar's Nectar Tech cooling technology helps you sleep cool on hot summer nights. Plus, every mattress includes a one-year trial, forever warranty, and free shipping. With $200 off, prices start at only $399. And get $499 of premium accessories, including pillows, sheets, and a mattress protector this summer. So chill out and visit Nectarsleep.com. From the studios of WMNH 95.3 FM in downtown Manchester, New Hampshire, you are tuned in to the best of Matt Connerton Unleashed. And uh, I am not alone uh, making his return to the show. Here he is at the news desk. Bill Murphy, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Matt. How are you? Very good. Very good. good. Wonderful to see you again. Good to be here. Yes, yes. Uh, I do want to, uh, before we get into things too, I want to say hello to everybody in the Facebook live chat. Uh, we've got uh, Jenny in there. Hello, uh, as well as Wayne Noel. Uh, John Midas Manning, also known as DJ Midas, host of Late Night Delight, which you can hear every Saturday and Sunday night beginning at 12 midnight here on the WMNH. Uh, hello to Dr. Jeff Cassell, who joins us. Uh, Jenny and I had a nice time uh, with him the other night. We had some dinner and it was uh, he made us a wonderful dinner. I very much enjoyed the mushroom soup and uh, we had a great time. Always nice to see Jeff. Uh, hello to Amy Hazard King. Uh, who joins us, who says, uh, good afternoon, Matt. Uh, Wayne says, hi, Jenny. Oh, yeah, you too, Matt. And uh, hello to Rhonda Favero, also in the Facebook live chat. And the number to call, if you'd like to uh, interact with us today, 603-250-6007, 603-250-6007. Uh, you can also send a text to 617-917-4476. Uh, you can tweet me at Matt Connerton. Or you can email Matt at IPMNation.com. Uh, Bill and I were just talking a moment ago uh, about, uh, you know, I've had this uh, bronchitis, which I think I'm at the tail end of it now, but you can you can kind of hear it in my voice a little bit. But uh, so uh, welcome back, Bill. Thank you, Matt. Been, Appreciate being here. Been a while. And of course, um, you had brought to my attention the, uh, the Don't Punish Pain Rally. Yes. Which is uh, coming up October 16th at City Hall Plaza in Boston, correct? Yes. Actually, I have some updated news oh, on that. So uh, Excellent. Yeah. it's uh, This one's been been a bit uh, confusing organizing this. And um, uh, I, as I mentioned to you in the email I sent you, there was um, some legislation. Uh, it actually still is being proposed in Massachusetts. Mm. It's gone to committee. Um, and what I'm told is that the uh, several doctors have reached out to the state rep who proposed that bill. And uh, it looks like he's backing off of that. Oh, that's good. And so it's it's pretty much going to die in committee, is good. what we're told. Good. Um, so with that, and also with a lot of uh, feedback from folks in New Hampshire, in the New Hampshire group, uh, being disappointed that the location was changed, and now they, you know, they, they struggle to make it to Concord anyway, just given their, yeah. their health. Yeah. And uh, so making it to Boston was really going to be a stretch for, for a lot of folks. Right, no doubt. So we've put it back out to the New Hampshire group, um, suggesting that if we can get some good feedback on numbers in terms of 
folks that could, could attend that we're just looking to do the right thing. We'll change the location back to Concord, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. If not, we'll keep it in Boston. Yeah. Um, but given that that legislation is is pretty much gone now, it's not an issue. Yeah. You know, to to the extent that it was, um, I'm thinking that you know going forward with the Concord rally, is oh wow. really what we should do. So yeah, okay. it'll be more local. Yeah. No, yeah. that that would be uh, phenomenal. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Jenny and I, um, you know, we we would like to attend. Uh, ideally, if it, if it's um, if it is going to be in Boston, that's a little tough for us logistically because sure. I have to make sure I'm back here in plenty of time to to be here for the show. But Concord, of course, is that's uh, that not a problem at all. Um, so yeah, if that pans out, you yeah, know. that'd be great to have you guys. I mean, if you, if you can't, obviously it's it's understood that people have a lot going on. But yeah. um, you know, we're hoping to get some numbers and make an impression up there again. Yeah, yeah, no, ab- absolutely, and. Um, you know, like like you had pointed out to me in an email, and then I, I tried to reiterate it on the show, it is important that anybody who can be there, you know, please come because um, this affects so many people who for whom it's very difficult to travel. You know, the, the, the people who are, are the most severely affected by this, it's hard for them to actually be there. So, so it is so important to have those numbers to really make that impression. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, for that re- very reason, we encourage people to invite friends, family, um, just anyone, even their physicians. Mm-hmm. We, we believe we'll have quite a few physicians this year who are primary care physicians for these patients. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's the only way we're ever going to get numbers that uh, will be significant enough to make an, a big impression up there. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for whatever reason, it's it's very difficult getting a point across to legislators when they're walking by and seeing 10 folks standing off to the side. Right. You know what I mean? It's when you, when you get right down to it's all politics. Mm -hmm. And um, even if, you know, deep down inside, they agree with your issue, with Mm -hmm. what you're promoting. If it's not going to help them get elected in the next term, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a huge influence on them. Absolutely. So yeah, the numbers are important. And if we can get as many, you know, referred to as healthy people, uh, to attend, that would be great. Yeah. Um, so Rhonda in the Facebook live chat says, uh, hey, Bill, Larry and I are doing our fifth Don't Punish Pain rally in Sacramento, California on October 16th at the medical board. Oh, very oh, good. Oh, great. So, yeah, so- Rhonda and her husband have been unbelievable um, advocates for patients. Rhonda's a patient herself. Okay. Um She's an amazing person. I haven't met her personally. You know, it's it's all through Facebook and through uh, the Don't Punish Pain Rally uh, Facebook group. Yeah. But, you, you know, you, you communicate with people so often, you get the feeling that you know them. Oh, yeah. I mean, to be honest, just, just watching your show live on Facebook so often, I walk in there and I, I just know who you are. You yeah, know, yeah. It feels like I know you and yeah. I've only met you twice. So, yeah. But uh, Rhonda's an amazing person and it's, um, you know, it can, it can get frustrating when you advocate for a lot of people and uh, they often explain that I wish I could do that, but my pain is such that, or my finances are such that it's just difficult. Mm -hmm. And it's, 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 as I say, it's frustrating to hear that sometimes because then you see people like Rhonda who's in a bad, as bad a situation as most folks are. Yeah. And she's there all the time. Yeah. But I mean, I get it. There, there's, oh, yeah, there are realities course. for some people. It's just not going to happen. So for anyone else who can 
dig down deep and make it there, even if it's just for a portion of the two hours. Mm-hmm. You know, any any time helps. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was that. Um, who was it? Uh, we talked about it last time too. The uh, the woman who was uh, testifying in front of a congressional committee, and she was on a cot. Yes, because she she like it was painful for her to sit up, so right. she actually was there. She's on a cot or a lawn chair or something, so she could be stretched out because right. she had no other way to, to do that. Yes, uh, Cindy Steinberg. Uh, she was the pain patient uh, representative on the uh, group that testified before the Health and Human Services Organization uh, or that board. Okay, it was actually a committee that was looking at pain treatment and oh, okay. you know how the issues of today, the issues going forward. And uh, as I mentioned the last time I was here, she was somewhat outnumbered, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. There were physicians there who were sympathetic to pain patients. There were others who were not so sympathetic. Um, so, yeah, she literally would testify and then step away and have to lay down for a while. Yeah. And then come back and testify. Um, and there were people, you know, people can be cruel. Mm-hmm. There were people who thought that she did that, that that was all a ploy on her part to try oh, to really? promote, you know, the cause or get sympathy just because of her, oh, wow. you know, what what uh, she was trying to portray as her situation. I mean, she's legit a pain patient. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's amazing how cruel can people can be sometimes, but um, yeah. Cindy's a great advocate. Yeah. Um. So now you, um. What what have you been doing, like, since we talked last, and I have... I have a very limited concept of time these days, uh, which I <laughs> reference on the show. But um, <laughs> how long ago was it that that you were on before? It was at least was it three months or six months? It's got to be at least three months, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't think we had a rally coming up at the time, right? I, I don't think so. I don't no, think so. Yeah. No. So, so I think it was about three months, maybe, maybe a little longer. Yeah. Um, I know it was following. I believe. Red Lawhorn's last appearance okay. or last call in. Right. And, um, you know, my hope was to just talk, maybe bring, you know, Red looks at it from a national level, the the larger issues. Yeah. And yeah. So my hope was to bring it down to a, a New Hampshire level, you know, talk specifics about New Hampshire, which I'm not sure I did a great job of that. But, um, no, I think you did. But, but we can go over some of that again. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting when, uh, I called in, um, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember his name. His last name is Finney. Um, oh, Brandon Finney. Brandon when, Finney. When Brandon there you was go. On, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? He asked a great question, which it never even occurred to me. It reminded me that I kind of gloss over a lot of the um, the details or the you know the things that patients go through on a day to day basis. That I guess I just take a uh, take. I I assume that people know about this, but sure. how can they? Sure, sure. So he was asking about. I think I mentioned in a response to him that um, pain patients do sign contracts with their treating physicians. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of what they're required to do, in, in, in addition to a whole bunch of things, are they have to state the pharmacy that they'll go to all the time. Yeah, um, They have to submit to random uh, drug tests, urine drug tests. They submit to random pill counts. So you can be called at any time. And it'll state the time you have to be in their office. So you get <laughs> wow. 30 minutes, for example, to get from your home to the office. Wow. And then have your pill, bottle of pills with you and they count them. And, um, wow. So, I mean, there's, there's so many controls around, uh, patients who are prescribed 
opioid pain medications today that have been in place for a few years now. Yeah. That didn't exist back in the day when people talk about overprescribing happened and Yeah. Um But it sounds like they treat you almost like a criminal with uh, you know Yeah. It, it sounds like parole. You yeah, know? you know, it, it's it's uh it is tough. I, to be honest with you, I don't take much issue with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I literally have been seeing my physician monthly for over 15 years. Um, he and I know each other so well. Yeah. Um, so, and and I understand what's going on today relative to this issue. So sure. for, for me to agree to do those things, I don't see that as a big issue. Um, but sure, and especially for, for patients newly being introduced to this, you know, to be asked to read this contract and sign you know, saying you'll, you'll to all these stipulations. Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes you feel like you've done something wrong. Right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. When for the most part, these patients, I mean, I ended up in the situation through surgery gone bad, no fault of my own. And right. you know, most folks end up in those situations through no fault of it, you know, their own, they haven't done anything. They've been in a car accident. Right. Or, yeah. I mean, look at Jenny, for example. I mean, she didn't do anything to deserve what she's experiencing today. And right. So uh, when you're made to feel like you've done something wrong, it, it can be pretty, you know, you get this visceral reaction to that, you know? Yeah, so. absolutely. No doubt. No doubt. Um, yeah, Rhonda makes the, the, the comment in the uh, Facebook live chat. She says treated more like criminals. So she is, she, she doesn't, uh, she doesn't like it, uh, obviously, but, but, um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, you, you know, you, because you have an understanding of the issue, you know, you can kind of, kind of roll with it and. Yeah, and, and I, I, I suppose, you know, it's like anything else from person to person, you know, people yeah. deal with things differently. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I'm kind of more along the lines of uh, believing that compromise is not such a bad thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I hate to hear about, uh, you know, in politics where they'll compromise a bill to death before it gets passed. And then, you know, what it ended up being is a shell of its former self. Right, right. And so that can be frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for me personally, anyway, to agree to these stipulations, it's I don't have a big issue with it. But but yeah. I understand folks that do absolutely understand it. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, and what what is uh, is there anything that's happened uh, specifically legislatively in New Hampshire or uh, since we last talked? Or yeah, well, uh, one thing that happened is uh, Jenny and I ended up speaking. Um, I was uh, reaching out to you, and she responded, and uh, she, obviously being a former state rep herself, uh, she was already in contact with a state senator. Yes. Um, I won't mention any names or anything, because I'm not sure. Uh, I haven't asked for that the right to do that. Okay. I'm not sure where they are in the process. I'm not sure if that would uh, confuse things. Okay, sure. Um, but uh, yes, I mean... The state senator was already looking to go forward with uh, some sort of legislation. Uh, Jenny had already uh, 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 provided him with some information. She reached out to me, asked if I had information. So uh, I I'm part of uh, what's called the New Hampshire Pain Collaborative. Mm -hmm. It's several patient advocates. Um, it's um, a couple of folks who lead support groups for pain patients and it's a leading pain management physician in New Hampshire. Okay. And uh, so we got together and started taking the New Hampshire opioid prescribing rule and modifying that 
to, to hopefully the end result would be to eliminate any specification of morphine milligram equivalents, which is the big issue today. Yeah, uh, that the CDC put out. We can we could talk about that a bit, bit more. Yeah. Um. So we we hope to do that, and then we also provided uh, both Jenny and the state senator with um, language for the new bill. Uh, my my understanding from him is that the deadline for submission of new language is October 16th. Okay. Uh, the date of the rally, oddly enough. Oh, okay. Um, but I believe he has everything he needs now. So then I guess from what my understanding of the process is, uh, it's a, it's called a legislative service request. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which, uh, oh, sorry, so I've yeah. learned a lot just in the weeks that, you know, since I've been involved in that. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Um, so I guess that goes forward and the bill writers get a hold of it and they research existing law and, it's supposed to be legislation that will end up going before, I believe, the Senate, the state yeah. Senate, in uh, January. Okay. So we have big hopes for that. Yes. Um, the state senator involved has been very, very active in reaching out to me and making sure that, I mean, really, I mean, you can tell he's he's behind this. Yeah, yeah. Reaching out to me, letting me know, hey, listen, I need this by this date and so on. So good. it's been good. great because I'd rather, I'd rather have someone who's who's after me than... Rather than me having to go after them, you exactly, know, trying to pull yeah. them into it. Oh, no doubt. So it's been awesome. No doubt. Well, we'll talk more. Let's, uh, we'll take a quick break. Um, I'm kind of, I usually wait and I take a break at the top of the hour. I don't usually take a mid-hour break, but I got to get some more water because my, uh, I'm trying to get over this bronchitis. So <laughs> I'm going to, I'm taking it a little easy on my, uh, on my uh, throat. So my, uh, well, really my chest because it's chest congestion, but. It affects my throat. So we'll take a, a little break. We'll uh, we'll play something, and we'll be right back. We're talking with Bill Murphy, uh, pain advocate, and we learn a lot from Bill, and this is a very, very important issue. So please uh, stick with us. More Unleashed coming up. We're talking here with uh, pain advocate Bill Murphy, who's with us. Our number is 603-250-6007, 603-250-6007. Uh, you can text at 617-917-4476. Tweet me at Matt Connerton or shoot an email to Matt at IPMNation.com. And of course, we get a lot of folks in the Facebook live chat. Bill Murphy joins us in the Facebook live chat. It's like you're in two places at once. <laughs> I didn't even realize I was doing that. <laughs> no, that's good. No, and because that way you can see what everyone's saying. And I actually oh. I see you I see you in there very often during my show, so I appreciate yes. it. Yeah. I appreciate that a lot. Um but uh so you know, obviously we you know, we'll we'll go over some of uh, what we went over uh, last time, inevitably, mm -hmm. but that's okay because you know we have a lot of new people and, and people who didn't hear the uh, the previous uh, discussion. But um, kind of a broad question, Bill. But uh, how did we how did we get here? You know, I, where where uh, where pain patients are are being punished in this way because you know, like for example, I don't remember how much we talked about it, but my mother just used my mom as an example. She um. She broke her back in a terrible car accident, actually right on the Emiskate Bridge, Whoa. like like thirty years ago now, and uh, or maybe longer. And she, hmm. um, you know, and and she's uh, she had been on uh, for for years and years. You know, she'd been on a very low dose of methadone mm -hmm. that was being prescribed to her, and it was uh, you know, it, it was great. You know, it allowed her to to work a, a full time job and to you know and to be very active and productive and whatnot. And uh, sure to have a full life. And then, uh, less than a year ago, I find out that, you know, her doctor tells her one day and she's in Wisconsin, by the way, uh, her doctor tells her one day, you know, Lori, I can't uh, prescribe this anymore. Um, and, uh, 
you know, she's on, she's on medical cannabis now, but, um, but, uh, you know, she, you know, she really got the rug pulled out from her right, her, yep. as, as, as happened with so many people. And, uh, yeah, she almost killed herself. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know how much of this she wants me revealing. I don't think she minds, you, you know, it's, it's for the, for the cause, but, um, you know, so she's doing better now, but she had to stop working. Right. She, she couldn't continue yep. to work, you know, and she's, she's not an addict. She was just on a low dose of methadone to, to you know, help her deal with the pain so she could walk around, you right, know, right. And, and, and just function and, and whatnot. And, and so, um, but, but how kind of, kind of walk us through how, uh, how this happened? How did we get here? Well, I mean, I think there's, from my perspective, there's two things that happened that were key. Um, first, uh, you know, I, I believe that if you go back 10 years ago, even 10 plus years ago, 10 years ago or so, addiction was, um, this is going to sound, I might offend some folks, um, but addiction was something that was predominantly an overdose was predominantly something that happened in minority neighborhoods, low-income neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, and back in, so actually it's it's a little bit longer than that, with 2019. So I keep thinking, it's amazing how time has gone by. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, overdose is something that's, and addiction and following overdose started happening more often in middle-income and upper-income neighborhoods mm-hmm. to white young white young white people and um it's amazing how when that starts to happen and then moms of those kids i know a mom personally who lost her son to overdose yeah and and i give her tons of credit to her to her credit rather than keep that quiet and try to hide how he passed she went on a crusade um she's done so many great things for uh you know, folks suffering from addiction and the treatment of addiction and providing better tr- addiction treatment facilities and so on. Um, but uh, from the elected officials' per- perspective, they started paying much more attention to the issue when it started affecting people from those neighborhoods. Funny how that happens. Yes, it, it, it's 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 interesting. It really is. But <laughs> yeah. it's it's the truth, though. It is. Get right down to it. It is. Yeah, absolutely. And then following that. The um, there's a group out there called Physicians for Responsible Opioid Prescribing. Okay, they're against opioid prescribing, completely, wow. entirely. They want really? to rid the world of opioids. Wow, and uh, they're led by a psychiatrist. Um, from he uh, used to teach. I'm not sure if he still does. Um, at Brandeis University. Um, so it's called Prop P R O P. Okay, and they. Law, they were lobbying for restrictions on the prescribing of opioids. They actually went to the FDA and laid out information that supported their position, and they wanted to implement these limits on the uh, the number of milligrams physicians could prescribe to patients. Yeah, and th- that's where this morphine milligram equivalent thing came from. Okay, um, the FDA told them this: your 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 position is is quackery. It doesn't make any sense to do this, so go away. Right. They refused to deal with them. So this group went to the CDC, uh, so the Center for Disease Control, and they went along with it um, and ended up producing guidelines, what they referred to as guidelines for opioid prescribing. Yeah. And they um, 
arbitrarily defined. So they took all of the different opioid pain medications and drew equivalencies to morphine um, milligrams. So that's where this morphine milligram equivalent came up. Okay. So they just decided that anything higher than 90 morphine milligrams um, per day was when people were getting into the danger zone of um, overdosing. Yeah. So it didn't matter that patients might have been on this medication for 10, 15 years, never abusing it, never, I mean, these contracts I mentioned earlier, never going against a contract, never pres- uh, filling a prescription early, never going more than one pharmacy, never calling the doctor ahead of time wanting to fill it early. Right. Um, never failing a pill account, never failing a drug test. Didn't matter that that they were doing all of those things per contract. Um, if they were on a higher dose of 90 morphine milligrams uh, equivalents a day, they were to be tapered back to that. Um, so it, 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 I don't think it had a huge impact at the start, although they were forewarned by a lot of physicians who reviewed the guidelines before they came out. And they were told, you know, if you look at it as written, it's not such a crazy thing to to want and it's just a guideline yeah so it was never meant to be forced and enforced as law okay but a lot of physicians cautioned them that uh they believe that that is what would happen is treating physicians out across the states would take those guidelines as rule and I, so yeah I, yeah I remember this being kind of a sticking point that right. they that they were i mean and do you think a lot of physicians um Hi to uh, Ricky Litwinkowicz on the Facebook live chat. And he's someone who, who struggles with uh, chronic pain. Um, do, do you think a lot of physicians, I mean, was it that they thought they misunderstood and they thought that these were rules and not guidelines? Or do you think maybe there was some paranoia where they just thought, well, maybe they're guidelines, but we better treat them like rules because if we don't, you know, we might have, well, our careers destroyed. Or right. I mean, what what was... No, I, th- I think it's definitely the latter. Yeah. I think... Um... I think they, and it and it ended up happening. I think they were fearful that these guidelines would be rule, yeah, and that um, were they to continue to describe greater than ninety milligrams a, a day, they would be called out and reprimanded for that. And yeah. sure enough, that's happening every day now. Mm-hmm. A, a, a pain management physician just the other day was sentenced to forty years in prison. He is wow. he's a young guy, has four children, another the one on on the way. And he's going away for 40 years. And they what the DEA does, they literally raid a doctor's office with AR-15s. I mean, they gather them up. They separate the whole staff into different offices to interview them. Yeah. I mean, it's it's as if they're raiding a drug den in, you know, in downtown Manchester somewhere. You know what I mean? Right, right. It's great. It's over the top. Well, yeah. Um, Wow. But there'll, there'll be instances where... For example, in this gentleman's case, he so he works for a pain management clinic. So that's all they do is treat pain patients. Yeah. So of course, their prescribing numbers are going to be higher than other physicians. Right, right. So, But they're still called out for having high numbers. So this guy, for example, he there are patients who... Um, so this practice didn't um, use insurance. They didn't accept anyone's insurance. Okay. And there's a lot of pain management practices that do that. I'm sorry, my voice is going here, but... Yeah, no worries. Um, so, uh, so they don't accept insurance. But what they do is they accept cash and then they give the patient um, uh, a refund form 
they go back to their insurance company to get to oh, get reimbursed. Okay. So now th- there's also because so many pain management clinics have shut down because of this, patients are traveling hundreds of miles to go to this one practice to get their prescription. Mm-hmm. So sometimes doctors will agree to meet patients at locations that it, it certainly raises an eyebrow. I mean, if you meet a patient at a Starbucks, right, and they pay you cash and you give them a prescription. I mean, it just, we talked, you talked the other day on, on the show about, um, the, uh, uh, I forget the impression of, uh, impropriety. Oh, oh uh, the, uh, the appearance of the impropriety. Appearance of impropriety. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, th- clearly there's an appearance there of, uh, but when you, when you de- delve into it and understand what was going on, right. There was really nothing wrong with the practice, but they, j- they don't, you know, explain that detail, especially when they go to court. Right. Yeah, of course. So. So here this poor guy is. He's going away for 40 years, and he's not the first guy. I mean, there's three physicians right now very heavily involved with the uh, Don't Punish Pain Rally organization, all of whom have gone through the same thing. Yeah. Uh, all of whom have uh, lost their medical licenses and uh, and uh, are now, now don't have a source of income. They can't practice as physicians anymore. Right. Um, so I think... To get back to your earlier question, I think most physicians saw that coming and were afraid that that's what would happen. You can't blame and them. It, nope. And it happened. Yeah. It's happening every day. By the way, the, so the doctor was going away for 40 years. What was he charged with? He was charged with multiple counts of, um, uh, I forget exactly how they worded it, but it's distribution of uh, oxycodone. Okay. Um, you know what? The charge makes it sound like he's he's... The, the typical thing that comes to mind, the deal is standing on a street corner. Right, right. You know, it, yeah. it's just, and it's just not the case at all. No, of course not. No. And, and by the way, um, 40 years, even if he was the drug dealer on the corner. Exactly. 40 years. Exactly. It's a crazy, you know, amount of time. And I mean, they're clearly hold, holding these physicians up and trying to make a, an example of That's them. That's exactly what I was saying. They're making an, yeah. an example of them. And it's and it's unfortunately it's working. It's enraging. Yep. Oh, that poor man. Yes, yes, it's crazy. It's he's as I said, he's now he he has a new lawyer. Imagine your new bathroom, a sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bath Fitter. Join over two million customers delighted with our one of a kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bath Fitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. In 1972, Title IX was signed into law. This prohibited discrimination based on sex and changed the game for girls and women in sports across the nation. To learn more, the Greater Columbus Sports Commission and iHeartRadio invite you to listen to the new podcast, Starting Nine Up. Celebrate the 50th anniversary of Title IX with nine stories about girls and women's sports with the Columbus Connection. Listen and subscribe to Starting Nine Up, a Title IX podcast on iHeartRadio or your favorite podcast platform. Sure. Uh, who's going to take uh, his appeals um, up? Uh, people are providing him a lot of support with finances and so on. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. It's just it's crazy. It's awful. That is awful. Wow. And you know it's interesting because here in New Hampshire, the the opioid prescribing rule that exists, as documented by the medical board here, 
when you read it, it also is not taken word for word, is not overly restrictive. Yeah. Um, I mean, it defines a process a physician can go through to prescribe higher than the 90, or it actually says 100 milligrams. So if you just look at the rule, it's not so bad. Yeah. But again, it's physicians looking at the rule, knowing what's happened across the nation. Right, right. And understanding that they could be reprimanded, they could lose their license. So they're going to the extreme of tapering people down either to that number or even below mm-hmm. or just cutting cutting them off completely. Yeah. So even though it doesn't look, if you look at the rule from that perspective, like we have a big problem in New Hampshire, we do. We do. I, I, I wouldn't be advocating for so many patients yeah. if we didn't have an issue. Yeah. I mean, do you have any idea, any numbers on how many people are affected by this or is that a hard thing to it's pin a, down? Yeah, it's a, it's a hard thing, but I mean, the numbers... I mean, just chronic pain patients, I believe the number that is uh, usually used is 50 million people across the nation. Wow. But the number of people who are actively being treated with uh, opioid pain medication is more around 20 million. Yeah. Um, so hopefully someone will, maybe Rhonda or someone will comment if I'm wrong on that number. Um, but I mean, it's affecting a lot of people for sure. Yeah. Rhonda said, uh, actually, she just used the phrase uh, weaponization of the guidelines, which right. I think is uh, uh, a pretty accurate uh, way of putting it. Uh, Jenny joins us as well. Hello. Hey. Hello, I heard Jenny. you invoking my name. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I did. Yes. All all in, in a good way. Oh, no, it's okay. It's okay. Um, yeah. So so that number, I mean, I mean those numbers are, are stunning, that, that that many people... That that many people can be affected and and there not be, and there not be more of a public outcry too, you know, because it affects that number of people. Because this is, I mean, let's be honest. Unfortunately, and and it would be wonderful to change this, but this isn't, you know, in terms of everyday political discourse, this isn't on anyone's top five or even top ten list of issues that they're concerned about, you know. Right. Because most people, you know, if if they're not a, a chronic pain sufferer or know someone. You know, like I, I have I have two people in my life who I'm close to who, who suffer with this, Jenny and, and my mother. Um, you know, where is this even re- really being discussed? Like, it's not going to be it's not going to be a debate question, you know, for anybody. You know, wh- are, are you going to do something to help these poor people who are suffering because the government came along and told all these doctors you can't uh, or strongly implied, well, you know, quite- you can't prescribe these meds. To be quite frank, it's being discussed in our graveyards. Every yeah. time we bury another pain patient who's died from a suicide or uh, died from an illicit overdose because they got desperate enough to try something like that. Yeah. And that, and that it's getting discussed at our family dinner tables where we're missing a member. Right. You know, that's where it's getting discussed. It's not getting discussed in the halls of bureaucracy because those are run by the people with money in their pockets. And who's running that? The pharmaceutical companies. You know, they they want the message they want out there. The 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 people that are making the money off of off of um, rehabilitations versus appropriate treatments. You know, getting people in jail are you know, we make more money off of incarcerating people than we do treating people. And there's so many different things that come into play here that make more money than a patient who's suffering and is at the end of their rope. Mm-hmm. We're collateral damage. True. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because 
if it ever does come up, it comes up from from the perspective of the opioid crisis. Right. So exactly. it's all about addiction and overdose, and it's not about chronic pain patients or people suffering in pain. Right. Right. And their treatment. And what we really have going on out there is a heroin crisis. Yeah, and and even more so, uh, um, actually, in every state, but here in New Hampshire too, it's it's a illicit fentanyl crisis Big now time. because yep, yep, yep. that's Big the time. drug now, and uh, polypharmacy use. Yeah, I mean that's a big number in New Hampshire right now. The number of deaths from multiple substances being used. Right, right. Yeah. So, so the term opioid crisis is in and of itself a misnomer. Sure, but it's become a very convenient one. That it uh, is, and it ends up putting people into a, into a place where they feel ashamed. You yeah, know, yeah. I need to take a medication for X, so I'm ashamed. I need to hide it. I need to be. The way we treat patients now is horrible. I mean, think about it. Okay, you've uh, you've got, uh, uh, I don't know, you've got cancer pain, non-terminal cancer pain you're being treated for, and you've got to pee in a cup on command. You can get a phone call out of the blue that demands you show up at your doctor's office, even if it's five hours away, in that day to have your pills counted. You you have to deal with going to a pharmacy with a prescription with a pharmacist who may not want to fill mm-hmm. your prescription. Um, I mean, you're we're treating patients so poorly now. We're driving people towards suicide. Never mind the lack of medications. Never mind the lack of access to treatment and care. I mean, we're driving people to the edge of absolutely the end. And and I never I used to be somebody who would say suicide was selfish. But I get it. As a as somebody who has reflex sympathetic dystrophy, I get it. And I hate to say that, but I, I do understand somebody getting to the end of their rope. And that wouldn't happen so much if we had appropriate treatment. And if we treated people like human beings instead of like drug addicts, your pain patients are the ones that are most strict about their medications. They hide them. They, they're very particular about them. I mean, I personally, when I had to take pay medication in a pill form, I would ration them to myself. Oh, mm-hmm. can I go another hour? Can I get another half an hour? Can I can I make it another hour? You know, you try to push yourself. Yeah. You you don't pop them left and right. You don't sure as heck don't sell them. Right. And you don't yeah. you don't trade them because you need every one of those pills and you're rationing them out to yourself. That's how a pain patient works. That's how a real pain patient works works they're not the problem right well you made a good point there too about you know you're not selling them because that's one of the one of right. the things they they try to say, oh you know what if they sell them but you're not selling them like you said because you need them <laughs> you need them you're not exactly. you're not selling them yeah. exactly i mean they yeah. do the same thing with with cannabis patients you know right. our government thanks to our our governor who i've lost a lot of respect for and i've lost some respect for some senators like senator senator delisandro where in the world are you um, who veto? Who went against homegrown for patients? Mm-hmm. For patients, yeah. Yeah. three lousy plants to be able to grow in your home, to be able to treat yourself, to make put in your own food, to make your own medicine, and not have to go to some store and walk out with a baggie. You know, not have to uh, deal with pricing that is so ridiculously high. You want to talk about rationing your medication? Mm-hmm. Talk to yeah. a cannabis patient who's got to spend, you know, $500 to get medication 
on top of their co-pays, on top of their prescriptions, uh, somebody like me who has ketamine infusion treatments, on top of $450 a month for infusion therapy, because insurance gets to say, ah, we don't have to pay for that. Right. You know, this is this is reality. This is the reality of it. Yeah. And we don't talk enough about that. We talk in platitudes and light in oh, you know, we've got to be on top of Narcan. We've got to be on top of this or that. But in the meantime, people are suffering and dying every single day. And very few people are taking note of that. Yeah, yeah. This is a great discussion. This is absolutely the discussion I was hoping to have. Good. So I'm so glad you're here, Jenny, to do that because it's absolutely correct. And, and this is what people need to understand is what patients are doing, mm -hmm. how, how they're dealing with life every day, hour by hour. Yeah. I mean... I would just reiterate if I went on and on, but it's true. I mean, what patient, we're talking about people who are in severe pain all day long and the pain medication, it doesn't take the pain away. It just kind of takes the edge off. It allows right. them to live with some more quality of life than they otherwise would have had. Right. Let right. me expand it, on that for a second sure. before you go too Absolutely. far. We're talking about being able to take a shower. Right. Okay, be and be able to dry yourself off and get dressed. You have no idea how much stress that puts on the human body and the heart, and especially with somebody who's ill. I have gone in to take a shower and had to lay down in bed, wrapped in a towel, and wait it out to be able to dry myself completely off and get dressed because the shower wore me out. Mm -hmm. To be able yeah. to go to the fridge and make yourself a sandwich. We're, we're talking about giving people the ability to do activities of daily living maybe they're still lucky enough to be able to be employed maybe they're trying to hang on to that job and that's and it's enough to get them through their work day that's what we're talking about we're not talking about giving people the ability to go ski lift off a mountain somewhere <laughs> or, or go parasailing we're talking about just being able to live every single day and do basic things you know make yourself a meal or, or do laundry or wash yourself I don't know how many times I've had to have been there crying while somebody else is washing my hair because I can't get my arm up to wash it. And I'm 48 years old and, and that's not a feeling that you want to have. But I'll share that. But I just wanted to expand on that because no, I think people sometimes absolutely. don't understand when we say give you the ability to do something, it's literally the ability to live, just basically live day to day. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those are the details people need to understand. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what, what is, what has happened that's, um, well, you talked about the, the legislation earlier. Um, I mean, are you, are you also finding, uh, you know, as you're, as you're talking to people about this, um, other, other people too, like outside of the political realm, but just other people who can help or are you, are you able to bring more, people to the cause because like i said it's not whereas it's not on anyone's you know top 10 list of issues necessarily i mean that's got to be a challenge to just get people to listen and to want to get involved right yes absolutely and that's part of why uh the, the new hampshire pain collaborative when they uh or we uh defined our mission statement the primary goal was to educate and um early on in the discussion i was kind of like educate this uh, doesn't sound strong enough to me but when you get right down to it that's really the, the the goal is to educate so that you can then take people from being educated now to making change. Yeah. So um, we're reaching out to pain support groups um, and then primarily their families. 
Because here's another issue. A lot of pain patients have struggled with getting their family's support or understanding of what they're going through. Okay. A lot of family members look at pain, their pain patient siblings or sons and daughters, um, you know, wondering, is this truly a pain issue or, or do they have an addiction problem? Are they, are they liking this too much? Or are they lazy? Mm-hmm. They just don't want to work. Yeah. They don't want to have to clear the yard. You know, it's just an excuse. I hear that from people and I want to cry. Yeah. yeah. I really want to cry. Yeah. And uh, I one point Jenny made was about pharmacies. So there's a lot of pharmacies, I've dealt with it right here in New Hampshire, who uh, the pharmacist is put in the situation of, especially the larger chains, CVS, Walgreens, you know, Rite Aid, where the pharmacists themselves are refusing to fill the prescription. So uh, either because their process is that they have to call the physician and and just establish that this is a legit prescription, um, or that they just don't believe the patient themselves. Um, Wow. So there's there's a Dr. Feldman. He's one of the physicians I referred to earlier, who was who was taken to court. Um, I believe he ended up agreeing to a plea deal just so he, he wouldn't end up in jail. Oh my god! In prison, so he's no longer able to treat patients, but he's still out there leading this cause. Yeah, he just hired lawyers, a lawyer group, to sue five states, the medical boards on with five states. Yeah, um, because of their pharmacy practice. So. Uh, rules put in place by the board of pharmacy, putting the pharmacist in the position of being the policeman, the watchdog over every patient's prescription. Wow! So there is a lawsuit coming. It's it's the first one to happen. No lawyer has been willing to step forward to date to either mm. pursue something on behalf of patients or or ph- physicians. Um, but now there is one. So this thing's going to happen very quickly too. We'll be hearing a lot about it. And it's been happening a lot with women, um, higher rates of women being turned away. Yeah. Bec- and, and maybe that's stereotype, stereotyping being done by the pharmacist. I don't know. But there was a, a case that I have never forgotten. And you might remember watching the video of a woman who has stage, stage four cancer. And she went to get her pain medication prescribed. And the pharmacy she usually likes to go to did not have the prescription in stock. Yeah. They- it's humid. Sweaty and sticky, summer can be really uncomfortable. But we're actually talking about your mattress. Don't worry, though. Nectar's Nectar Tech cooling technology helps you sleep cool on hot summer nights. Plus, every mattress includes a one-year trial, forever warranty, and free shipping. With $200 off, prices start at only $399. And get $499 of premium accessories, including pillows, sheets, and a mattress protector this summer. So chill out and visit Nectarsleep.com. Didn't have the med. How many times have you gone to a pharmacy? It's happened to most of us or a family member. He didn't have the med in stock. Mm. So she went to a different pharmacy. Well, that pharmacist went, well, you usually go to this pharmacy instead of this pharmacy. So I think you're trying to be a drug seeker and refuse to fill the prescription. And this woman is literally losing her mind on camera crying. And can you understand? She's terminal. She's literally standing there in front of this man going, I have terminal cancer what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I think you're drug seeking. I think you're shopping. And, and you know, I had an incident, and you're aware of it, where a doctor had pulled up the prescription list that the state of New Hampshire keeps on everybody. And um, I'm going to flat out say it. The guy was an idiot. He didn't realize that what he was looking at was a compounding cream 
that is actually put into like a lotion that is put topically on patients. Mm -hmm. And this man saw ketamine powder, gabapentin powder, and a number of other medications that are in this particular compound that you smear on you. Like, you don't eat this stuff. Trust me, it's, it's, it's gross. It's got all these different, it's got lidocaine in it. I mean, it's got all these different chemicals in it. Dude thought that they were legit. The pharmacy was like handing me powder. He literally <laughs> thought the pharmacy was handing me powder. Do you remember this? Yeah, in the I do. ER. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. oh, you're on this and you're on that and you're on this. And I'm like, I'm not on any of that. Where are you getting this from? It's on your <laughs> pharmacy printout. We found out later when we finally pushed the issue, because I had to push the issue with the hospital and I did get an apology. I will say that. And I, I do believe that there was education done and I hope it never happens to anybody else. But, you know, it happened with me. So could it, of course, it can happen to anybody else that some gooba with MD after their name doesn't know what they're looking at and thinks you're getting all of those drugs that are right. in like some topical cream. Right. It's really bizarre. And topicals are super popular among pain management because for some patients, it works really well to put the medication at the site of right. pain. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's got gabapentin and ketamine and lidocaine and all these other drugs in it, but it's in a freaking cream that they're rubbing on their skin into their skin to get into, you know, the nerves and all of that. Yeah. It's not something that they're sucking down their mouth and you certainly can't get high off of it. I mean, right. I, I guess I, well, I suppose I shouldn't say that because I don't know what would happen if you actually ate the cream. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm assuming that you'd probably <laughs> numb your tongue and bite it off before you swallowed all of it. But right, hey, right. you know, what do I do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that actually happened with me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, hello to uh, Sarah McGregor Boggs in the uh, Facebook live chat. Um, is there any, uh, cause we know, we know doctors have been spooked by the, the guidelines and so forth and some of what's happened to them. And, um, what, what about the pharmacies? Are, are there, have there been guidelines issued to the pharmacies at, at any point? Like why, like, why are they so, why are they so nervous? Like we know why the, why the doctors are, but why are the pharmacies so nervous or do we know? Um, no, well, well, some of it is that there have been instances, not in New Hampshire that I'm aware of, right. but in other states where pharmacists have been held liable by government entities oh, okay. for distribution. Oh, okay. Um, as if they were the ones to go to with an illicit prescription. Uh, so we live, unfortunately, our nation, the United States of America, is so happy. And when uh -huh. you live in a so happy world, everybody carries a number over their head of risk. And our pharmacists have become that that scapegoat in some regards of distribution because of course they distribute them all they're the pharmacist yeah. you know but now they're being held to a level of scrutiny that they weren't normally held to before they're being told they're liable for all prescriptions so if somebody comes in with a really good forgery the pharmacist can get in trouble with oh, okay. it so that's wherein lies some of the problem yeah some of it not all of it but i know yeah. that some of it yeah, and another big part of it is uh, Medicare and Medicaid, for example. Their process is now that physicians, for example, with Granite State Pain uh, Associates here in New Hampshire, um, they were told prior to January 1st of 2019 that for all of their patients receiving an opiate pain medication greater than 90 morphine milligram equivalents, they needed to contact the physician, the prescribing physician, and have a conversation with that physician about the medication. Yeah. And 
uh, you know, other meds that the patient is on. Are you aware this patient is taking this and this and this? And um, the interactions between the the two. And so, uh, so in that case, they're, they're literally putting the physician in the middle, telling them, you're the one that needs to police this. You're, you're the one that has to go back to the physician. And and what happens a lot of times, like in that case, granted state pain, of course, again, all their patients are pain patients. Yeah. So they put out a letter to all of their patients showing, saying that this process we won't do because it's just too cumbersome. We don't have the resources right. to call every physician for every prescription. So we're not going to do it. So all of you across the board, we're going to start tapering you back uh. to get below... And they went below the 90 milligram uh, guideline to 50 milligrams. So all all because of workload and logistically trying to pull that off, they just just felt they couldn't do it. Yeah. So it's maddening. Wow. Yeah. There's so many aspects to this that it just, it's crazy. And, uh, you know, when we're talking about legislation, I don't know if you're aware of it, Jenny, but I believe the bill was already passed. Either that or it's coming up soon. I'm not. I'm not as familiar with this as you are, obviously. Um, but one rep had proposed a bill, and again, I believe it was passed. Where beginning January first, 2020, every prescription for opioid pain medication is re- going to require a, an orange label, a round label, on the bottle that says in big black letters, "Opioid." Hmm. Um, it can it can be removed, but only after the patient's left the pharmacy. Okay. Uh, inserted into the package will be an orange leaflet that gives them a lot of information about opioids and you know the addiction and all this stuff. Um, but the the concerns that were brought about with that is here's a pain patient who's and, and now this is actually this happened to me personally. Yeah. In, in at uh, leaving a pharmacy in Nashua. Um. It, pain patients leaving the pharmacy being targeted by people wanting the pain medications. Now they're going to be leaving with a bottle that has a big orange label on the top of it saying oh, opioid. Yeah. And so there's a big concern about that. And it, I'm not sure if, if things will change or not, but. I think that was a specific mm. state. I don't think that that was national. No, it's New Hampshire. New it's Hampshire? Here. It's here, yep. Really? It's here. Wow. Dumb butt did that. Yeah, I can, I can get you the, the rest. Hey, I got name. news for him. I'm visually impaired. That orange doesn't yeah. mean crap to me. <laughs> wow. All right, I got news for you. But it, it, yeah, that's insane. Let's put a target on on the back. I mean, I can remember when I had to take medications like that, being terrified coming mm-hmm. out of the pharmacy. Like, I don't want anybody to know what I got. Right. Yeah. You know, I don't want anybody to know. Actually, before I left the house, I, I read a, a news article about some dude that robbed a pharmacy for pain meds yes. and got laxatives <laughs> instead. Oh, I saw that. <laughs> well, that's karma. I think that's awesome. Yeah. And I hope that all of his sleazy friends took lots of it. But, you know, I, it, it is. It, it, we have to deal with the education part of it so much more. I mean, perfect example. What are we in right now? It's Pinktober. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I'm a breast cancer survivor. And the stupid world should not be pink because every man out there who's had breast cancer is losing their head over that. And every man who heard me just say that, please hear it again. Men get breast cancer. One in 100,000 men will get breast cancer. That's education. Education in pain care, cancer is not the worst pain that you can suffer. I'm sorry, it isn't. Nationally, internationally, there is a pain scale called the McGill Pain Scale, which every medical provider around the world uses 
as how you gauge pain. What diseases bring what kind of pain? You know, amputations way the hell up there versus, you know, having uh, bronchitis is lower or a sprained ankle is lower. A broken leg is higher, but not as high as an amputation. Non-terminal cancer is up there too, but it's not the worst. You know what is RSD, the disease that I have, Mm -hmm. reflex sympathetic dystrophy. They nickname it the suicide disease because it's the most painful disease known to modern medicine. But how many of us know that? Nobody. I was in medicine for 20 years as a provider. I didn't know that. I thought cancer was the worst pain. I thought women get breast cancer, men don't. And yeah, I was an idiot to think that because here I am sitting here very much corrected. Men get breast cancer. There's worse pain in this world than cancer. And we do need to educate ourselves, each other, our loved ones, our family members on all of this, or we're never going to understand the true scope of what we're facing in the pain community. If we can't even understand what is pain, what is the worst pain? What is the, what is the lower pain? What is the higher pain? If we can't understand the concept of pain, we certainly can't understand the problems that people are facing who have it. Uh, Rhonda in the Facebook live chat says uh, they do it here too. I think uh, referring to the orange labels, uh, she's in uh, California, oh. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. You, you said something happened like you were, were you targeted to me? Or- yes. The pharmacy that I still used actually, um, I was leaving one night. It was about seven o'clock at night. It went to time. So it was dark and, um, two guys out in the parking lot about four cars away from me as I walk into my car. And, and I had never walked out of there feeling like I was threatened or I should yeah. be careful or it just never occurred to me. Yeah. And, um, Sure enough, they uh, one guy yelled over. I forget, you know, I forget the details, but he he was basically at first they were just trying to get me to come talk to them. Yeah, and right away my alarm went up. He was like, "Something's odd about this," and so I didn't. Yeah. Um, but sure enough, they ended up asking about, "Hey, what's in the bag? Come on!" And they they almost did it. If uh, if you were listening in, you might have thought they were joking. Right. Hey, can we join in? Have a little party and everything? But clearly, they were up to something more than that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that happened to me. Wow. Jeez. So when I hear stories like that, I don't doubt that that happens. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I think putting an orange label, I mean, I get, I don't know, to me, it's it's just such a waste because yeah. what are we going to get from that? You know, I mean. Higher prices on our medications. Yeah, it's just, and, and to think that, I mean, there was a uh, something I read the other day, uh, a mom who uh, wrote a story, I think it was for the Pain News Network, and uh, she explained that her son, uh, from a prescription opioid he received when he was 19 years old, um, one prescription, uh, became addicted, and years later died of a, an overdose. Um, but she points back to that one prescription being the reason. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's kind of like how can you how can you identify that? How do you know that that's the reason? Um, so I don't know. It, I, I just I just always question when uh, legislators want to do something relative to, to this issue. Yeah. Um, do they really understand what's going on and what might you know really help instead of just being something for votes? Right. You know? Right. Exactly. My doctors don't know what's going on. <clears throat> right. 145 years of medical science, and they still don't know why people get this debilitating disease that gets progressively worse. They don't know. So you want to tell me how some bureaucrat who got elected sitting in some dusty office somewhere knows better than my doctor on how to take care of me. My doctors talk to other doctors who talk to other doctors to try and figure out how to take care of me. 
because what I have is so rare. Yeah. And and this bureaucrat's going to know? Come on, people. Wake up. These jack butts are going to just, they're going to kill us off. It's euthanasia by government control. Uh, Sorry, it is. By the way, hello to uh, Rocky Huber, who uh, who joins us online. Tell me I'm wrong. Prove it. Well, it's it's true. No, and you know, mm-hmm. the, the other thing that's true, that we, what you just said, Jenny, is oftentimes a patient knows more about their disease, their illness, than their physician does. Sure, yeah. Because quite naturally, you go off and you research as much as you can. Right. And it's happened with me. I've brought information back to my physician that he just, he's a general practitioner. Yeah. So for him to delve into every little thing to know is pretty much impossible. So mm. uh, so a lot of it is, is patients educating their own physicians. Mm. Yeah. So And physicians that are willing. Oh, absolutely. And that's the big right. part of it too. Yeah. You know, my I have a GP at Concord Hospital. He's one of the teaching physicians at Concord Hospital. And he loves it when I bring him in. And I just brought him in not long ago, the entire Dutch protocol for RSD patients. But what you said to speak to that, I, I'm a Dana-Farber patient, Dana-Farber mm-hmm. cancer patient. I'm still on six-month checks. I have three doctors I'm on six-month checks with. And I am the only patient in my oncologist practice, and she's been practicing for at least two decades, who has tamoxifen retinopathy which means I'm going blind from my breast cancer treatment. I'm the only patient she has with it. The only one. Wow. Yeah. And in her entire practice in Dana-Farber in Boston and all these years, she's never had anybody but me. Wow. You know, which stinks to be the only one, but to put it in perspective of how little doctors know, there are a lot of the doctors that I see that have to go back to my other doctors to learn because they don't... Greater Columbus Sports Commission is proud to celebrate the history of women's athletes and the 50th anniversary of Title IX with a new podcast. The Starting Nine Up podcast will feature some of the most important female voices in local sports. Hosted by iHeartMedia's Matt McCoy, Starting Nine Up explores stories you may be familiar with and others you might be hearing for the first time. Listen and subscribe to Starting Nine Up, a Title IX podcast on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Just Because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. From me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. The steak, egg, and cheese bagel is back at McDonald's. Order ahead on the app and pick up curbside. Price and participation may vary. McD app download and registration required. know about tamoxifen retinopathy they don't know about reflex sympathetic dystrophy they don't know how to deal with a nicked phrenic nerve they don't know how to deal with these issues and they have to get educated themselves you know to speak mm-hmm. exactly yep. to what you're saying absolutely i'm sitting here as living proof <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. this is what happens in the real world yeah absolutely i'm an anomaly to the point where you ever walk into an office you know you're 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 a medical anomaly when you walk in and they're calling their friends in Hey, come check this one out. Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah. you got to see this. Can we let so-and-so see their training? Yeah, yeah. come on in, everybody. Take a peek. Yeah, yeah. Now, didn't didn't the uh, CDC at one point put something out acknowledging that they had uh, goofed? Yeah, it was a, a retraction, or they called it a clarification yeah. of the guidelines. They basically come out and said... We, we were serious when we said these are guidelines. These yeah. are just guidelines. We're not right. telling physicians that they must do this. We're telling them that this is a guideline 
And if you're going to go around the guideline, here's the procedure for doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's at the state level where the guideline is being implemented to be more of a, a rule or law. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in states where that's not happening, for example, in New Hampshire, um, physicians are still taking it as rule or law because of what's happening to other physicians out there. Yeah. Being arrested, being sent to prison. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Being sued. Being sued. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah, unfortunately, we do have the negative people out there that, you know, John Q. Public, who thinks they can get a buck, you know, ooh, I tripped, or ooh, I took one too many of these pills, so it's your fault. Yeah. I it, blame you so I can make money off of you, even though it was my own doing or my own fault, or it's not even real. But, you know, those people muddy our waters. So when we're trying to get truth out there and educate people and help people who are in serious need, we get buried. We get buried yeah. under the muck and mire of the trash and the garbage that those people bring. Yeah. And I, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm being as blunt as I can be because this is, this is life and death. Mm-hmm. It's not a joke. I've been, I'll admit it, I've been the person standing there going, I want to jump out the window. I'm, I'm done. I can't handle it anymore, and nobody could blame me. Mm. But it takes a lot to be able to get through that next moment, to hold on to that moment and go, just one more breath. I can do this. I can get through this. When you're in pain 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you never know a moment's peace, yeah, yeah, you will get pushed to that edge. And when you have legislators in Concord or in Boston, Massachusetts, is trying to dictate how a doctor should care and how a doctor shouldn't care, how you shouldn't have access to pain care. Better to let you die. Better to let you suffer. Better to let you become so decrepit you end up in a nursing home and lose everything you ever had because you can't even take care of yourself anymore. Yeah. It, this is real and it's, it's horrible. And maybe I sound a little too aggressive about it, but I've lost one too many friends to suicide. Mm-hmm. and I'm tired of it, and I don't want to lose anymore, and I don't want to be the next one. And I can't tell you from one day to the next if I'm going to never have that feeling again. I'm not going to sit here and say I'll never have that feeling again because I'm not stupid enough to think so. I know it's possible. Mm-hmm. That's why it's important to talk about it yeah. and have people around you to talk about it. Yeah. But this is reality, folks. And if we don't step up and say something, if we don't come out to Boston and support these rallies and support the pain patients out there, well, you know what? Do me a favor as a pain patient. Don't show up at my funeral. I don't want your time at my funeral. Show up for me now while I'm alive and I need you. I need you to help fight for me. Don't show up when I'm dead and buried and cry and tell my kid you feel bad. Right. He doesn't need you for that. Do we have any numbers, yeah. by the way, on, on suicide, on, on patients who've, pain patients who've... Uh... In my community of RSD patients, the, 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 num- the statistic that I have heard is that 70% of RSD patients will at least consider, if not try, suicide. Because mm. wow. that's how bad the disease is. Yeah. I mean, it didn't, it, it, it's that bad. As far as the as pain community at large, I don't think anybody's going to handle on that number, but no. I think it's a lot higher than people think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean people have, have established that suicide rates are definitely increasing, but they haven't been able to get to the level of detail to understand that, that those are uh, pain treat uh, patients or mm-hmm. not you know yeah um and you're absolutely right jenny it, it is reality i mean i literally had a gentleman who i communicated with his wife often um he was a pain patient um 
he was not the type to be on social media though or anything like that. So I used to communicate with her. And one day, just out of the blue, I get a message from her on Facebook um, telling me that her husband committed suicide. He had worked his whole life, was on a very low dose regimen of opioid pain medication, was still working. They had still had uh, two young kids, fairly young kids at home anyway, um, paying his mortgage, paying taxes, all of that. And uh, ended up having to leave work because his payment was, medication was cut off. That's what happened to my mom, yeah. Yep. And then seven months afterwards, so we had gone through a tapering process and then finally off the, the medication. And then about three and a half months of dealing with no pain, pain medication oh at all. Oh, God. And finally left one day, went down to the park where him and his wife used to go when they were younger, pulled out a gun and blew his head off. So, I mean, it's... Now, I didn't wow. know him, but I had communicated with his wife quite often. And to hear her tell me that, this was two days after he did it. Yeah. Um, it's just chilling. You know, it's chilling. Oh, yeah. It's heartbreaking. So. Wow. No, that's, that's really terrible. Well, we got to uh, we gotta take a, a break. I need to refill Before my, we do, though, real water. quick, before yeah, yeah. we take a break, just yeah. for anybody out there who's listening, if, you, if you're in need, if you're having any kind of a problem, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's out there for you 24 hours a day. It's 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255. If you, if, you're, if you feel like you're alone, you're not. Please call. It's confidential. It's free. And they will help you get through this moment. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And I just want to admit, I, I'm yeah. going to have to head out. Oh, okay, okay. Bill. Yeah. Sorry to have to leave so soon, but uh, no, 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 no. You, I, I, actually, you've been you know? very, you've been very generous with your time. Yeah, we appreciate it. Oh no, I appreciate it. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, when we weren't on the air, your, um, I'll, I'll just call it a rant. I don't know what else to call it. But <laughs> you're about twenty-two minutes or so of uh, going on about this issue that's been shared across the country so many times among uh, social medias. Um, people just love that. That was gold for them. Oh, good. So we appreciate me... all your promoting of uh, the rallies. And, yeah, how do people get issue. more information again on the rally? Where do they go for a web if information? You, you can go to uh, uh, the website is Don't Punish Pain Rally uh, dot com. Uh, you can go to Facebook in New Hampshire. You can go to New Hampshire uh, Don't Punish Pain Rally Group um, or Don't Punish Pain Nat N A T period. Uh, Don't Punish Pain Rally Nat um, is the national organization um uh, and but but that, but that's kind of but that might be moving back to concord yes so the, i i just posted today to try to take a poll to see how many people would come out to concord as opposed to going to boston yeah um so within i would say two days i should know and i'll get that back to you so you'll know exactly where the rally's taking place. Wonderful. Sorry for yeah. all the confusion. No, that's back a, and forth, that's okay. And Jenny, I don't know if you heard the beginning of the show, but the reason that's happening is it sounds like the legislation that was being proposed in, in Massachusetts that we talked about is, is hopefully DOA. Right. So, so this, I hope so. Yeah. There was, there was a prominent uh, pain management physician who talked to Rep. Peter Capano, who was behind the bill. And uh, he got him to understand. So he was pro promoting that bill or proposing that bill because of a constituent who called and, you know, talked to him about her uh, daughter, I believe it was, who passed away from an overdose. So he just thought that was the right thing to do. Yeah. He didn't know better any better. So this doctor talked with him and explained both sides of the issues. So we backed off. 
And somehow, I, I, again, I don't understand the process, but he put it into committee and apparently has backed off promoting it. So he, he called the physician back and said it's basically dead in committee. In Massachusetts has ways of being able to kill a bill and, okay. and have it never see a, the light of day for a vote. And the difference of that is for New Hampshire, for our New Hampshire listeners and, and people here in New Hampshire, every single bill gets a vote. If it gets a drafted legislation is just that, but once it's actually got a bill number and it's been, it's been introduced, it has to have a vote by the full body it was introduced into, whether it was the Senate or the House. It doesn't have to go beyond that, but it does have to come out of the committee. It does have to go to the full body for the vote. In Massachusetts, they can actually kind of pocket, it's kind of like a tabling or pocketing veto where they just kind of hang on to things and let it collect must and dole and they never let it go for a full vote. So I believe okay. that that sounds like what they're doing. At least I hope so. But the danger of that is, is it exists. Right. The idea yeah. exists and all it takes is, is one bureaucratic idiot to go, oh, let's do this. So you have to stay vigilant and you have to pay attention to the Don't Punish Rally people and, and pay attention to these other groups that are getting the information out there. Or they'll slip something through this. Oh, absolutely. And, and fortunately, the, uh, the founder of the Don't Punish Pain Rally organization, Claudia Mirandi, she's the one running the Massachusetts rally. Okay. So she's from Rhode Island. But her and her sister are running the rally in Massachusetts as well. So they're looking at both states. Okay. So she she's about as aggressive as anyone you would you would ever want anyone to be relative to this issue. She's the one you want watching that state for sure. And and uh Rhonda says Michael Shatman yes, spoke Dr. to him. Dr. Michael Shatman. That he was a doctor the physician I was. Oh, he's the to. physician. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. He's he's a he, I forget um all I know is he was in the pain, a practice of, of pain management. Okay. Uh, for many years now, he's he's. I think he's semi-retired. He does more lectures and you know speaking engagements and. Uh, but he's extremely actively involved in this in this issue. Yeah. He's not. Um, I would want to caution in case he's listening at all. He's not a. He he, he defines himself not being pro opioid. He defines himself as being pro patient. Sure. So, if the best thing for the patient is an opioid pain medication or whatever the pain treatment is. That's what he promotes. Okay. So he's totally against prop that I mentioned earlier, Andrew Kolodny, who's the psychiatrist who, for some reason, is involved in fighting against opioid treatment, using it as a, as a treatment. Um, he's totally against that organization, speaks against them all the time, offers to, to debate with them all the time, which they, they never accept him on that. Huh. So he's the one that talked to Peter Capano and got him to back off of that bill. Okay. Oh, great. Great. He's, he's a great, great advocate. Yeah, sure. yeah. Excellent. Well, Bill, I, I know you got to run. Is there anything else you want us to know about or anything online? I, I think or? that's it. I'll, I'll just, I'll make sure I get back to you about the uh, location change. Yeah, wonderful. Because um, if it's in Concord, then it's, it's we'll definitely be able to to do that. Yeah, that'd yeah. be awesome. I'm hoping that we can, we can move it back here. Yeah, yeah. yeah that'll be great. Yeah. That'll be great. Oh, Bill Murphy, thank you so much, my friend. It's wonderful to see you, and thank you for coming thank in. Thank you. I appreciate it. I really do appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. No, we, we appreciate it. Uh, Jenny, you as well. This was oh, awesome. anytime. Listen, this was awesome. This was awesome. Oh, I, I knew you were coming in, so I kind of planned to be here. Good. I appreciate it. Yeah, you, you got my support, buddy, personally and public. Same here. Always. Always. Excellent. Excellent. And you're, you're welcome here uh, anytime, Bill. So thank you. And, thank you. Uh, from the studios of WMNH 95.3 FM in downtown Manchester, New Hampshire, you are tuned in to the best of Matt Connerton Unleashed. But uh, let's see. So uh, we do have some uh, some stunning news. 
Uh, as you, uh, I think you're aware, uh, Jenny, uh, our president, Donald John Trump, the most godly of presidents in the, in the history <laughs> of, uh, of presidents, uh, he, uh, and, and part of why, uh, part of why he uh, was chosen, of course. Well, I don't know if he was chosen because he was—he's so he godly. Chosen by God. Yes, he was anointed by God, as as uh, as we all know. Hallelujah. Yes, I mean that's uh, you know I think that's uh, indisputable. But apparently there may be finally a schism. Huh? Well, because uh, you know Republicans with are very the Trumpkins. Republicans, well, specifically with God. <gasps> yes. Did God tell you, or did God tell somebody else? God doesn't speak to me oh hello to uh rocky huber and uh mike pelopita who join us in the facebook live chat yeah uh, god and i don't really talk much um, are you on the outs are you on the bad boy list to be honest with you i don't think he's ever really had much time for me no how did he you mean she well i you know i, <laughs> uh, I how dare you hey uh that's how dare uh, you? that's oh Ugh. so you're gonna be in trouble Sexist. with god now, uh, no, we all know God is a, 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 a you know, a, a wealthy, uh, white, uh, American male. Who's Clearly. we? Well, we, a like. mouse in your pocket? All of us, uh, you know, the rest of us. Who the aren't, rest of who aren't, us? Who aren't, Who's us? Who, who, you know, the rest of us who aren't you. Who aren't me? Yes. What is that supposed to mean? Well, because you're questioning. Uh, what it, What about me makes me different? Well, because you're, you're talking about uh, God <laughs> being a she instead of a he. Because she that's, is. That's crazy talk. Ah. <laughs> anyway, apparently uh, uh, Trump might be on the outs with God now over this whole Syria thing because Trump wants us to pull out of Syria, let uh, let Turkey kind of take control there, uh, which I have uh, mixed feelings about. But uh, but apparently Pat Robertson, Pat Robertson is so upset with Trump over this. This finally, this gets to Pat Robertson. Pat Robertson says that Trump because of this, may actually lose the mandate of heaven. <gasps> what happens then? What if Trump loses the mandate of heaven? Then we have to impeach him, right? Because he'll no longer be he'll God's uh, chosen one. I don't know about that. I Basta! Think, I don't think you, yes. I, I don't think you just, uh, I don't think you just lose, I, I, like, I don't think you lose the mandate of heaven and just become Satan. Oh yes, no, yes I, you do. No, I, I, it'll, it'll still be. I'm Satan sure, uh, was supposed to be an angel. He lost a mandate, became Satan. There you go. Well, ah. I don't. Well, I suppose. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll play the audio of this. This is shocking. This is uh, Pat Robertson discussing this, uh, uh, and he is, of course, uh, one of God's representatives. Let's uh, hear what uh, Pat has to Ladies say. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to say right now, I am absolutely appalled that the United States is going to betray those democratic forces in northern Syria, that we possibly are going to allow the Turkish to come in against the Kurds. That Erdogan is a thug. He has taken control of his country as a dictator. He is a strong leader, and a, to say he's an ally of America is nonsense. He is in for himself. And the president who allowed Khashoggi to be cut in pieces uh, without any repercussions whatsoever is now allowing the Christians and the Kurds to be massacred by the Turks. And I believe, and I want to say this with great uh, solemnity, the president of the United States is in danger of losing the mandate of heaven if he permits this to happen. By the way, I don't know if I ever told you this, but... Uh... 
in high school, some he's fr- going to go to hell. Some friends and I had a uh, Christian rock band called Mandate of Heaven. How'd that go for you? Not well. We never made it out of the garage or the church. But uh, uh, Trump is in danger of losing the Mandate of Heaven. Can I you suppose believe the it? man upstairs told that to their old Pat himself. Now, if, now, of course, if Mike Pence becomes uh, president, he will be able to uh, pick up the Mandate of Heaven. Yes, because it will land right on the White House. I will say this. I I have to compliment Pat Robertson on one thing. Good for him. This surprised me, actually. Good for him for, regardless of how, I have mixed feelings about the the Syria issue, but good for him. Good for Pat Robertson for calling out Trump on Khashoggi. That, I respect that. I'm just surprised that he finally hit something that would get Pat Robinson to say something negative in the first place. I mean, he didn't seem to have a problem with grabbing women in fun places. Right. Well, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of that in the Bible. So, you know, Reverend Pat, he's he's okay with some of that. That's just, uh, you know, the boys being the boys. I something, but I'd probably upset your listeners. Well, I, you know, I don't know how you could upset them any more than I probably already do. But, uh, yeah, so uh, but but good good on good on Pat. Respect Pat Robertson for uh, you know, no. for for hitting him on Khashoggi at least. And by the way, the, and the grand anomaly about Pat Robertson, we've talked about it on the show. I still find this remarkable that of all people, of all people who operate in that 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 space that he does, Pat Robertson is not a creationist. He believes in evolution. He's like the last dude you would expect. And he believes in the sanctity of the family. Yes, he does. Which is why he supports a president who's been married and divorced three times and, and has is known for his affairs outside of wedlock and has been on TV grabbing this, that, and the other thing of women. Yeah, there's your family values right there. Well, Amen. Well, now, to be fair. Please. We all know, and again, as I say we, I mean... Those of us who understand that Trump was anointed by God, we all know how that works. It's been explained to us many times by Pat and uh, Whatever others. Whatever God anointed that, will you all just take it and chuck it off the flat earth well, or something? Well, it, it's, it's God, it the edge. God chose an imperfect man for the uh, job uh, because uh, that's uh, what he uh, does. Uh, uh. He chooses an imperfect man. A sexist, megalomaniac, narcissistic Nut job. I'm sorry. I don't want the president of the United States swearing on Twitter anymore. And he's getting worse. He said ass the other day about Mitt Romney. But today was worse. Today? Yeah, what, what earlier he... today he said something. He, he said total cuss word. W- really? Yeah. Was it something you can't say on the air? Yep. What 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 letter does it start with? Uh, I can't remember exactly. Did but he, I, I he really watching, did that? He really did that. I was watching um one of the news briefs on, uh, you know, YouTube. Uh, you can get like MSNBC, CNBC, and Fox. All of them, their yes. their latest breaking news gets posted like pretty much right away. And it was there's been uh, like five different ones within an hour this morning that was between like nine and twelve. Yes, yeah, so Eastern a, Time. A tweet storm. Yeah, that's so called. there was yes. one at ten, but there was another one at eleven, and he swore at somebody. I, I wish I could. I wish my um, foggy brain wasn't totally. My chemo brain is totally kicking in right now, so I'm sorry that I can't exactly give you more. But I I know that today he he ramped it up even more and used language that reporters found themselves going, ordinarily, we wouldn't use this language. 
Uh, but it is the president, and this is what the president oh said. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, you know, you get reporters out there, like, struggling to be all pro and everything, and this is language they'd never use, but they have to because, hey, you can't misquote the president of the United States. So, you know, we're, we're now in the uh, locker room. His tweets are, if they weren't locker roomish enough, they went there even worse within the last 24 to 48 hours. Uh-oh, hold on. Apparently, uh... Apparently, this is upset Mitt Romney. We're getting an alert. Hold on. Attention. This is an alert from the Mitt Romney outrage system. The Mitt Romney outrage level has been elevated from troubling to appalling. <laughs> when the Mitt Romney outrage level is at appalling, take special care in public places when doing normal everyday tasks, such as operating your car elevator or grooming your dressage horse. However, it is important that in a Mitt Romney appalling state of outrage, you continue to go about your business of supporting every Donald Trump policy. Otherwise, the terrorists win. This change in Mitt Romney outrage status is more severe than last month's change from bothersome to disconcerting. But not as alarming as in 2018 when the system went from upsetting to unpleasant. This has been an alert from the Mitt Romney Outrage System. We now return to the regularly scheduled programming of 101 Strings performing the greatest hits of the Ramones. Wow, so even Mittens is upset. This is terrible. <laughs> Where'd you find that one? What? What? Oh, that's, what? Uh, that's from uh, one of my favorite YouTubers, Rocky Mountain Mike. I should have guessed that one. The Mitt Romney Outrage System. I should have guessed that yes, one. Yes, it's terrible. It's a calamity, I'll, I'll tell you. Wow. So, you know, and he knows that, you know, he's a religious man himself. He's a Mormon and they're not crazy. <laughs> um, he's a politician. And in my world, I don't care what religion you are. All politicians are crazy. I'll say this. The man has great hair. He should have been president, but uh, he's got better skin than the current I president. I mean, at least it's more normal colored. That That is true. Although yes. we do have the perfect president for October. Well, I that's, just realized that, that also is true. Yes, yes. I didn't know that. I just realized it. Very true. Yes. Yeah, have the pumpkin as Trumpian. That's right. Yeah. So you think that if we put little like lights into his sleeves or something, he'd walk around with them? You know, like put glow sticks on him. I don't. I don't think he would make him a Trump lankin. He doesn't have. Uh, he's he's got other fish to fry these days, with the whole impeachment and whatnot. Yeah, he did once on Twitter. He does swear once in a while. I remember at one point he came up with just an an oh so clever way of uh, spelling uh, Adam Schiff's last name, and uh, but I think he ended up deleting that tweet. I think that that was uh, frowned upon. Um, but he does have like this uh, this move on Syria does have everyone it, it, all these Republicans uh, of all the things that may actually cause a schism between Trump and the rest of the Republican Party. It may, in fact, be this. They they are shook. He's got them shook, as I believe the young people say now. <laughs> they're all shook. And they're getting in his grill about it. I think they say that, too. Doesn't that mean getting into your face? Yeah. They're all up in his grill because they're shook. Everybody except, of course, uh, Rand Paul who is very anti-war, uh, who does favor uh, pulling out of Syria. Now, I generally, by the way, 
have also favored uh, getting out of Syria, as I am also very anti-war. However, it is an interesting point. I'm, I, I am a bit conflicted. It is complicated because these, uh, these uh, Republicans who are upset and, and Democrats who are upset as well and uh, people who operate in the realm of national security and, and all of this, uh, everyone is upset uh, except for Rand Paul. Because um, because the the problem is, and this is where it gets a little complicated, and it is a valid point. So we leave, and Turkey comes in. Apparently, that's what now Turkey is one of our NATO allies. To be fair, but what Pat Robertson said about Erdogan is also completely fair that he's a thug and a criminal. Um, but uh, maybe that's why Trump gets along with him. He tends to get along with thugs and criminals uh, better than he does with our uh, close allies. But uh, but it is a problem because um, we, uh, well, it won't be the first time we've abandoned the Kurds, uh, certainly. Um, yeah. But uh, we're kind of leaving them, we're kind of hanging them out to dry if we leave in this manner. So, so there are some problems with it. We're putting Russia in a good position. Well, that's one of the problems with it. Yes, yeah, this yeah. is. Uh, I mean, you know, don't you know? That's that's our goal, right? This may be. Uh, this may be a, a gift. In fact, it's considered largely considered a, uh, considered a gift uh, to the Russians. Um, it actually says here, this is from Politico. Congress pressures Trump to back down on Syria betrayal. They're actually using that word betrayal. But let's uh, grab this call. Probably the one call we'll have time for before we have to wrap up. Hi, welcome to Matt Connerton Unleashed. Who's this? Matt, what's happening? This is Tony. Hey, Tony. How are you? Hey, how's it going? Good. Hey, listen, I'm hearing you talking about about the Turks and all that. Kurds yes. And whatever they are. Yes. My, my thing is this. Okay, people need to grow up, and it's time for them to take care of themselves. They were trained by our U.S. military. They're good to go. So Arabia and the rest of those clowns over there in the Middle East can step up. Mm-hmm. It's time for the U.S. to pull out. And take care of home. It's that simple. No, I, uh, I, I don't disagree. I, you know, as someone who's oh. very anti-war, I mean, one of the things that I've given Trump credit for. Well, I'm not anti-war. I'm not anti-war because I was in the military. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not against, you know, I don't want to say that I'm for killing people, but there's certain things they need to step up. And people can sure. say they're anti-war or whatever, but you lock your door at night. So I don't want to oh, hear sure. about that. Because well. nobody, you know, <laughs> if, if not, you're not into defending yourself. Well, and I don't want to. You know I, mean? I don't. I don't want to be. Do uh, I don't want to be misunderstood either, Tony. When I say I'm anti-war, yeah. I don't mean that I'm. I'm certainly not a pacifist uh, by any means. Uh, yeah, because if yeah. you become, you know, then then guess what happens? You become a slave to somebody. Sure. So you I don't mean, want that to happen. Either. Right. Does well, it no. bother you at all, though, that we're not just pulling out? Trump is encouraging and supportive of Turkey going forward with armed. You know, an armed fight. Yeah, he's supporting. Yeah, they need to learn how to defend themselves. There's nothing no, no, wrong no. with that. It's it's okay to defend yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. You mean you you're talking about the Kurds? The Kurds need to defend themselves against because the Turks yeah, are going to go in there to and defend themselves. There's nothing wrong with defending yeah. yourself. What's wrong with that? No, I don't mean that. I mean that Trump has literally come out and said. That, you know, given the green light to Turkey to attack the Kurds. Well, that's part of the plan. Yeah, the Turks move in. I, I think what Trump is, I think what Trump thinks, though, is he's saying the Turks aren't going to just come in and clean out the Kurds. That that's what Trump does not want to happen. 
but but it right. seems like like every other Republican, uh, except for Rand Paul, doesn't believe that the Turks won't do that because they don't trust Erdogan, which I think uh, is... You've got to understand something. Listen, the whole Middle East is a third world country to a certain extent. And, and listen, it's really unfortunate, uh, but we can't play the security for everybody. There's certain things that oh, we agree- need to do agreed. in agreed. this country and take care of our home, yeah. stuff like that. And, and listen, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we got to go around... You know, doing this and doing that, but we have to be able to protect our own interests, and it's not in our best interest to be over there right now. I mean, we did our thing, we trained them. Now it's time for them to step up and defend themselves. Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. <laughs> the first cup of coffee, it was awful. Meet Rod Johnson, co-founder of Black & Bold, a premium specialty coffee and tea company powered by Shopify. The journey of Black & Bold started with us opening our online Shopify store while we were burning beans in my business partner's garage. Shopify allows us to stay true to our mission by having an easily customizable and responsive site. They make it very easy for novices to try their hand in becoming entrepreneurs. I was able to do it without any technical background and I'm very grateful for Shopify. My advice to anyone thinking of starting a business is to just start selling on Shopify today. When you're ready to share your business with the world, grow it on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform trusted by millions of businesses like Black & Bold. Get a free 14-day trial at shopify.com slash free22 and start selling wherever your customers are with easy-to-use tools and friendly 24-7 support. Go to shopify.com slash free22 right now. Shopify.com slash free22. And that's what I think Trump is saying. Basically, like, you know, our boys are pulling out. You guys got it from here. You'll be fine. Yeah. He is, but he isn't. What's wrong with that? He is, but he isn't. I mean, his post today, one of his many tweets today, he he flat out said that, you know, Turkey can do what it wants, but if in his quote, let me say this directly, in my great and unmatched wisdom, if Turkey does anything to be that I consider to be off limits, I will totally destroy and obliterate the economy of Turkey. I've done it before. They must, with Europe and others, watch over. It is an odd thing to say. He's going to obliterate their economy. I'm not sure. Yeah, how I mean, that we've done it before. Whatever. I mean, presidents have been critiqued since the time of century. Whatever. I mean, I get what you're saying, but yes, I didn't you know, say it. He <laughs> did. I care. Trump said it. Defend themselves. American people. Uh, Americans are just tired of, of always defending somebody, always defending somebody. Oh, yeah. Have allies, oh, I agree you know, with you there. We shouldn't be the world's police. Stuff like that before. Unless you guys dealt with them directly on a military operation. I've dealt with these guys before. Yeah. They want peace, too, but it's time for them to step up and, and do it themselves. Right. You know what I mean? Everybody's a big boy and time to step up or whatever the hell gender they want to call themselves. No, so I think... uh out real quick when somebody's trying to point a weapon at it. I, I, I think we're basically in agreement. I, I've, I'm a little bit conflicted, but, you know, as a non-interventionist, and maybe that's what I should say instead of anti-war, but, uh, yeah. 
you know, I'd, I'd, I'd rather we get out of there. I just, um, I do understand the concern about, you know, kind of turning our backs on the Kurds, but hopefully, I mean, Turkey is a NATO ally, so hopefully... Uh, like, like I said, yeah. Saudi Arabia and all those other people that can help out, we're not the only ones that can help out in the world. That is true. Right? Wouldn't you agree? How come, how come Iran doesn't help them out? How come Iraq doesn't help them out? What's the problem? Why does the United States always have to help people? Yeah. Always. Yeah, no, I, I, well. Well, Iran <laughs> is with Turkey. Yeah, Iran. Iran yeah. and Turkey and Russia are all friends. And Syria is actually, you know, aligned more with us. So all we're doing is empowering the allies of Iran. Well, maybe to a certain extent, but can I just tell you something? I don't trust anybody. How about that? <laughs> I don't trust anybody. I'm right there hey, with what's you, wrong buddy. With that? Is that, That's... is that offensive to somebody that I don't trust? That's not Someone, a... I don't care. Because, you know what, I care about Americans, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's what I care about, America and Americans' interests. Not to say that I don't care about anybody in the world. It's just of course. You have to look out for your best interests first. You've got to take care of home first. Yeah. That's a... No, I, I, uh, I think we're... Wrong with that. Are we all in agreement to that? No, I think we're in agreement there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's, that's been a... That's been a big part of my uh, problem with our foreign policy when we go and invade these countries. So, no, I think uh, I think we're in agreement. All right, Tony. Well, uh, we're almost out of show, but uh, thank you so much for the call. You got it, buddy. Take care and stay American. <laughs> All right, man. You too. Bye-bye. <laughs> Take care and stay American. That's good advice. I don't think I have a choice, actually. I don't think I can. Well, I don't know if they changed the laws on when you were born and stuff. I mean... Yeah. Well, I could. Uh, I, I mean, guess, I, I guess. I guess we could be un-American. I could. I could uh, move to Canada and p- apply for citizenship, but that wouldn't be. Well, I, I mean, I could denounce my American citizenship, I guess, but I, I have Ooh, no uh, desire to. I don't have a desire for that. I like being an American. But Ted Cruz, he's such an American. He denounced his uh, Canadian citizenship, or renounced it, I should say. But uh, anyway, <laughs> no. But we are out of time. So thank you, Tony, for the call. And uh, we'll probably talk more about this tomorrow because it is it is complicated. Like I said, I'm I, I you know I'm basically in agreement, but I'm a I'm a but I but I have concerns. I do have concerns from the studios of WMNH ninety five point three FM in downtown Manchester, New Hampshire. You are tuned in to the best of Matt Connerton Unleashed. Hi, welcome to Matt Connerton Unleashed. Who's this? Uh, Easy G. Easy G, I don't have your theme music ready because I have to reboot this computer. It's it's uh, not quite done. I'll play it. We can do without it. No biggie. I'll, I'll play it at the end of your uh, conversation, uh, of, of our, our conversation. Right. By then, hey, it should be ready. Hey, remember when I was in the studio, when I was in the studio on Wednesday, jo- hey. joking around about that uh, lady that comes in the, uh, the morning show, Priscilla Mills? Yes. Yeah, yeah I'll Facebook friends with her now. Ooh! Well, I heard. Send me a Facebook message. Send me a Facebook request. I think she's sweet on EZG. <laughs> Let's not bury the lead. I also heard on the morning show. I heard someone make a suggestion that you. Oh, I remember who it was. It was God. His it was voice. Gonzo. His voice sounded. <laughs> no, he said he was God. Now his voice did sound different than when God called my show. Maybe God sounds different in different yeah, parts of day. I, that day. was him too. <laughs> so I heard God call and say that you need to ask Priscilla out on a date. Have you confirmed that she is in fact single? 
Uh, I think she is. <laughs> I, haven't, I, haven't seen, I, I, I haven't seen her in person with any rings on her fingers, though. You you have you've never met her, her in Facebook person. Doesn't say, her Facebook. What EZG? You're cutting out. What'd you say? I said her Facebook post doesn't say she's married. Mm. Wow. Well, anyways, I, I gave her a Facebook message and I told her the. Uh, that's real funny on the radio. Oh, ooh, and, good. Uh, that's a good. Thank you. And I said I look forward to that's meeting you on start. the show sometime. That's a good start. Yep, yep. And then see uh, see how yep. she reacts. Maybe she'll, uh, you know, if she if she reacts a little flirty, then you know you're in like Flynn. Just don't let <laughs> Michael Martin C block you, if you know what I mean. You know what I mean, right? Yeah. Yeah, you well, know what I mean. I saw I saw her uh, on her on her on her Facebook page. I, a uh, a a a a, a, a uh, giving a hug to Ryan Gorman. Oh, were you jealous? No. Do you feel that uh, Ryan Gorman is trying to C-block you, if you know what I mean? I think he already has a girlfriend, so. Oh, that's he true. giving her a Ryan Gorman hug. That is true. I've met Ryan Gorman's uh, I, girlfriend. I got one the other day. Outside. She is lovely. It wasn't a very nice. It was a cigarette Ryan Gorman hug. Oh. From who? Ryan Gorman. Oh, Ryan Gorman gave you a hug while holding a cigarette? Yeah, it was kind of kind of hug. Well, you can't be picky about these things, EZG. A hug is a hug. Did he give you like a full bot? Was it a bro hug or was it like a no, full body it was embrace? No, one of those TV hugs. One of those what? Where you just got to fake it. <laughs> uh, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Well, you know, they see on TV, I call it a TV hug, where they just kind of give you a hug on, a, on, t- on the TV. They don't really mean it. It's TV. Oh, so you feel he was acting. Now, uh, right. now Priscilla is an actor. We don't say actress anymore. That's considered sexist now. Easy. I don't know if you know that. Right. But, but that's what Pri- she's trying to do. Yeah. But Priscilla, to do, yep. Priscilla is an actor. So, are you at all concerned that eventually, if you and she embrace, that she will in fact be acting and will not be sincere? I don't know. <laughs> oh, you don't know, but you're know. dying to find out, aren't you, EZG? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would like to meet her. We'll see what happens. I'm sure you would. You got you got some game? You got game? I don't know. Yeah. Well, you have been married, so obviously uh obviously your ex-wife thought so. Yeah, that was years ago, yeah. That was years ago. You never lose <laughs> your game, Easy G. Actually, that's not true at all. Uh, your game, uh, quote unquote, is very much a use and disuse type thing. But even if you have lost it, I'm sure you can get it back. Perhaps you should it's, watch uh, it's some always, romantic it's comedies. Fun. It's always fun to meet somebody new. <laughs> yes. Yes, Easy G. <laughs> right. And you've been alone a long time, correct? This is true. How this long? How, true. How, how long? How long has it been? How long since your divorce? Uh, God, uh, over 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you're ready. You're ready to party. <laughs> You never know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I do. I think I do know Easy G. I hear that mischievous laugh. What was it? What was it that happened on the morning show this morning? It was the hardest I've ever heard you laugh. There was something that happened that had oh, you. Oh, it's, oh, it's funny because um, he was uh, talking about some. Um, oh, I said, "Well, many prizes to winning uh, the mass game." Oh, he said, "Yeah, I just found them the 2017 Taste of Downtown tickets." Oh yes. 
That gave when you. I called uh, up on the radio years ago, and, and I said, if, uh, "said uh, ten hours to the taste." You know, my free uh, ticket for Rhonda. And he said, "Well, I'm not really in the mood. His grandmother had just died." Who's gra- whose grandmother just died? Peter's. That was two years ago. Oh, oh, oh! Right, 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 right. Okay, I remember now. Yes. That was the first day, time I said egg, egg in my face. He goes, listen, you don't have egg in your face. We're going to take care of you here at the station. Right. You got it, buddy? Yeah, he got a little aggressive with you. I made a real jerk of myself, in other words. I think I have that. I think I have it here. Look. Always looking for free stuff. What? Uh... <laughs> oh, is this it? I think I, I think I have it easy, G. Here, I'll play it real quick. Uh, oh, yeah, here we go. Let's yeah. take this call. Um, just because they keep calling. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, good morning. Oh, hello, guys. Hi, Eric. Hey, it's uh, 10 hours to the taste, and I still don't have my ticket for Rhonda. You know, you know what? I'm, I'm really not in the mood for that today, Eric, so I'm going to tell you what. You already have a ticket, so I'm sorry I didn't get the ticket. If I get another one, come see me tonight. But, uh, you know, I mean, you already have a, t- you already have a ticket. There's other people out there like yeah, Terry, that, like Terry Trainer that doesn't have a ticket. I don't have a ticket. No, I didn't say. I said I would try. I said egg on my face. I'm going to tell you. You don't have <laughs> egg on your face. I'm going to tell you what. You should be grateful that you have one ticket. All right, kid. Do you understand me? You're calling. You're calling for free stuff. We take care of you all the time. I tried to get the ticket. I couldn't do it. I've been very busy. So, so don't worry about you having egg on your face, Eric. That's that's being a little selfish. You hear what I'm saying, man? Wow. You hear what I'm saying? See you tonight at the Taste uh, of Downtown, my friend. <laughs> wow. Whoa. No, you know what? The guy calls up for free stuff. You know, we, we, we take care of him. We take care of him. Does he have yeah. a ticket he, already? He already has a ticket. He I don't have a, a ticket. He wants a ticket for someone that may go with him. And I told him I would try to get him a ticket. And now he's upset and says he has egg on his face. Well... There you go. Uh, Easy G, that was the beginning of, of the egg on your face. Yes, it was. You know, I felt really bad, but then I made up for it. I went to the uh, to the wake of his grandmother, so I made up for it. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, I don't go to I wakes. I, I think looking at uh, uh, dead people is strange. But uh, no, that was uh, that was great of you. Yeah, see, look at you. You're, you, yeah. you go to... And that was funny, too, because Joel, Joel, Joel went, obviously went to because of the... Uh, which right thing to do, and he ended up going to the wrong, wrong wake. I remember he that. Looking around, he said, "Boy, I don't look anybody familiar." I remember <laughs> he that. Stumbled into the right one. Yes, that's yes. For you. Yes, that's why I, I personally, I like to avoid any kind of funerals or wakes because if you show up at the wrong one, it's just embarrassing, and then you truly do have egg on your face. But you didn't literally yeah, have egg definitely. on your face. It was more like, you were using it as a figure of speech, right? Like you didn't like sick your <laughs> face in an omelet or something. Oh, boy. Well, I'm just trying to uh, well, clarify. That's all, I, that's, all, that's all I got for, for uh, information today. So I'll let you go and clear the lines up in case Father Bruno wants to call. Oh, yes. We'll and here, I'll, I'll play you out with your uh, theme music. Thanks, EZG. All right. EZG. And this is EZG's, uh, what is that? Okay, this is EZG's new theme music that he requested. Boy. 
There you go. Easy G, the other day when he was here, he requested some new theme music. And, uh, you know, because the John Cena, my time is now, had just gotten played out. I used to say, you know, it's Easy G and his time is now. But now it's more like, it's Easy G and he's he's just a sexy boy. He's not your boy toy. But, uh, you know, uh, clearly love is in the air. And I think that's wonderful. I think he and Priscilla will make a lovely couple. It's just... um. I'll tell you, it does the heart good. You know, young lover. Well, Easy G's very old, but uh, so never mind young lovers, but uh, probably be kind of a May-December romance, I'm guessing. But whatever it is, you know, I just think it's it's uh, it's wonderful. And God did call the show, the morning show this morning, and uh, try to uh, tell Easy G he should, uh, he should ask Priscilla out, which is, that can be hard. I, I'll tell you what, us shy guys, I'm very shy myself, by the way. You probably wouldn't know it listening to this show, but I am an introvert and introverts by nature, we tend to be kind of, you know, we can be shy and quiet and whatnot, unless we're in some sort of performance situation like this. It's not unusual for an introvert to be kind of a quiet guy or, or woman, right? But then, uh, you know, as soon as we're in front of a microphone or in my case, in front of a microphone or on a stage or in front of a television camera or whatever it may be, that's where we're actually the most comfortable, where we're the least comfortable is actually interacting with other humans, you know, just out in the world on uh, on an interpersonal basis. That can be terrifying. But anyway, so there you go. Easy G's new theme music. And it sounds like he is... Uh, Trying to, I mean, it's been 10 years, so he's not, you know, he's he's wading into the pool, shall we say. Good for him. From the studios of WMNH 95.3 FM in downtown Manchester, New Hampshire, you are tuned in to the best of Matt Connerton Unleashed. Uh, by the way, there's um, uh, some breaking news. I am uh, rather uh, uh, shocked uh, to hear this, but um, this is uh, from my favorite website, rightwingwatch.org. Uh, according to Jim Baker, we all remember Jim Baker, right? You know, he wore the very colorful sweaters in the 80s. And, of course, today he continues to have his uh, program, he and his lovely wife, Lori. And, and they, they sell their, uh, yeah, they sell the Jim Baker food buckets, you know. So when the rapture happens, you know, oh, you got to have, okay, your, I got uh, you gotta I have got your food buckets. Yeah, okay. yeah, Mike Pelopita says you better knock on wood, Matt. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, you know, which, I, again, I, I, I don't quite understand the marketing because it seems to me if you're going to be swept up in the rapture, you don't need the food buckets. Right. No, you so don't. You're, so you're actually outside of the very audience that he's marketing to. Yeah. But he knows what he's doing, I guess, because he's very rich, which is important. God wants us to be rich, <laughs> uh, according to Jim Baker, Mon- right? Monetarily? Yes. Abundance. Really? It, it's called, yes, prosperity gospel. It's, it's the new thing. Yeah. I think I, it passed me by. <laughs> it, it passed a lot of us by. We're probably all going to hell because we're not rich. <laughs> you got but, that right. Uh, yes. Well, uh, apparently Jim Baker says, and I, I'm i not aware of this, and I'll be interested to see if he has some proof of this, but uh, he claims that the left is under massive demon possession. Oh. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if he means, like, the far left or the entire left or all Everything Democrats left or whatever. Of center. I guess. It's, <laughs> this is terrible. Wow. Yeah, he said uh, today on the Jim Baker show, he said, uh, I want to tell you people today America has gone crazy. I believe much of politics today, especially those who have gone out on an extreme, I'll say left, they are way left. I believe there is a massive demon possession in the political realm today. Oof. Can you believe it? Wow. I mean, sort of. 
I mean, well, yeah, I yeah. mean, it does make sense in in a in one in one way, right? Because we know that um, obviously God is a conservative Republican. <laughs> you know, I I often imagine. I mean, I, I'm not going to heaven, of course, because I'm pro-choice and pro-gay marriage. But I often imagine going to heaven, and you know, Saint Peter leans uh, leads me in for you know, the, I'm sure you get some sort of intake meeting with the big guy and uh, holding cell. Yes, and and then in, <laughs> right, and then uh, but then you get to go in and meet God in the office, and you know, I I assume that. Uh, he has like a big golden desk, and on the wall is a, a giant picture of Ronald Wilson Reagan <laughs> and, a, and a giant American flag, and and of course a cardboard cutout of of President Trump. Of course, and uh, you know, so it makes sense. I mean, that that the the left then would be the opposite. You know, the the party of Lucifer. What a thing to say. What yeah, that's the, what I mean. Uh, you know, it's everything you can say anything you want. You can blab any kind of foolishness you want. Yes. And people are going to eat it up. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, for all those that can't distinguish right from wrong and mm -hmm. good and evil, mm -hmm. you know, those are the folks I'm worried about. So you gentlemen are skeptical about the left being demon-possessed. <laughs> Somewhat. I mean, I mean you, you've you met... Uh, I think every side is. You, you've met several uh, uh, presidential candidates. Yeah. Did, did did they strike you as demon possessed? Did you did you sense that any of them were had been taken over by uh, by some sort of uh, demonic entity? Uh, Maybe a little. Yeah. yeah. What, like like He's who? Seen their eyes a little. Like which ones? Because we want to know. Yeah, we need to. Uh, we need to know this ahead of time. Marianne Williamson. She seems a little possessed. Uh, something. Yeah, yeah. something's. Uh, she has. Uh, she goes off on her tangents. Right. And you can kind of see it a little. Right. Yeah. So she's probably. Uh, been oh, taken boy. over by a demon, is what you're saying. I, I, I wouldn't surprise me. You, Ben Dion, are going on record today <laughs> as saying on WMNH that Marianne Williamson is possessed by a demon. I'm saying she could be. She could be, right. It wouldn't surprise me if that came out. Right, which is really just a nice way of saying you, she is, sure. obviously, right? I yeah. Mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. I mean, I, I believe that that's also called an attachment. They they call that in the meta metaphysical world. Would she I, be the host? It, I, I believe so, yes. And she has an attachment that is uh, controlling her words and actions. Yeah. Yes, yes. Seen, I, th I think I've seen some movies on this. Right, yes. Yeah. Did yeah. her head spin around no. when you talked to her? No. Okay, good. good. <laughs> it turned turned a lot. Did it? Yeah. Right. Did like, she... Uh, it was trying to spin. Did she begin to uh, spontaneously projectile vomit? No. no. Okay, no. good. Any, any speaking in tongues? She might have. <laughs> At the convention, she had quite the following, too. Really? Yeah, she Ooh. did have quite the following. They're probably all demons. Yeah. And it's funny, because someone that I was there with said they all looked very similar, like the similar type of person. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I was like, Ooh. and I looked back at the at the group of, of supporters that held signs, had shirts on and everything. Mm. And I was like, yeah, you're kind of right. They kind of do look all the same. Mm -hmm. Like, same type of person. Like they're from hell? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, okay, he could have been right. I don't know. Most likely. I mean, I think we can. Uh, I think we can assume she was the only candidate selling things too. Oh, I feel like. I feel like most of the candidates they had a table, but their mm. stuff was like to take for free or if you signed up for something. But um, there could have been other ones. But I noticed for sure because she had a lot of stuff on her table: the shirts and hats and mm -hmm. pins. Those were for sale. They weren't. Just they to take. They weren't freebies. And, and where was this? At the uh, Democratic 
New Hampshire Democratic Convention. Mm. That's New Arena. I'm reminded of the story in the Bible of Jesus entering the temple and uh, <laughs> the money changers are selling the, things. Yes, and Jesus, they were. Jesus gets very angry and he starts flipping over the tables. Yes, he did. Maybe Jesus should have flipped over Marianne Williamson's table <laughs> and confronted the demon. Perhaps. But where was Jesus? He wasn't in there. He wasn't there. He wasn't at the convention. He wasn't at the convention, but he was probably at a Trump rally. Could have been. I think we can safely <laughs> assume that. Which was at Snow Arena. Did, did Trump, the godliest of presidents. They just missed him. Yeah. 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 Well, just just for fun here, let's. Uh, it's only about a minute. Let's listen to Jim Baker. I want to play the audio because I feel that you gentlemen are skeptical. Okay. So <laughs> we'll hear him explain in his own words. Let's see if it'll play. Uh, this website sucks sometimes. Your book, here we go. Your book answers the questions I've been asking, mm -hmm. and about here's the title. How to keep your head on straight in a world gone crazy. Yes. And I want to tell you people today, America has gone crazy. Yes, it has. And, and, and Rick, I don't know if you agree with me or not. I believe much of politics today, especially those that have gone out on an extreme, and I'll say left, they're way left, I believe there is a massive demon possession in the political realm today. Am I wrong? I believe it's like hell found a voice. Yes. <laughs> Say that. Hell found a voice. Yes. Hell is speaking through the political system today and through the media. Yes. It is amazing. It really what's is. What's happening through the media. It's just wicked. It is What's wicked. taking place. It is. Wow. It's demonic. It should not be permitted. It just should be. You know, I think about Jesus. Jesus told the demons to shut up. Yes, he did. And I thought, we need to take authority over all these voices and just command them to be still. Amen. Yes. Well, where oh, was wow. Jesus to tell Marianne Williamson to shut up? That's <laughs> what I want to know. Where oh. was that? Yeah, where, where was, was he speaking? People were applauding oh, over this? That was just on his show. Oh, he's got, okay. he, he hosts a television program called The Jim Baker Show. What channel? I don't know. I assume it's on... Uh, What's that? Uh, there's something the like Catholic e Network or EWTV, which I think is evangelical. Oh, evangelical, right? right. Evangelical what's a who's e television, something like that. Wow. I think it's EWTV. Well, he had people applauding that. Uh... Well, yeah, he's got a captive audience. But by the way, if you ever see his audience, they're all like just really old people. Really, I can yeah. see that. Yeah, they're just you know they're they're at the end of the road and they're trying to get into heaven <laughs> no any means necessary by no any, that, that's matter. right yes they're gonna they're gonna uh, buy some food buckets and uh sneak in and sneak in no they're not gonna sneak in they're they're going through the front door you know <laughs> i'm sure they're all I'm, I'm sure they're all uh very much opposed to gay marriage and uh very angry at immigrants and, you know. All of that. All of that. That's what gets you in. Yep, because every person that's in heaven is is white. Wow. Oh, and straight. Thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> Jeez, Thanks for pointing that out. I think we all kind of know that, Ben. There's zero diversity up there. <laughs> well, obviously. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's heaven. <laughs> Jeez. I'm glad I could never actually talk to any of these people that think these things because i don't i don't think i'd be able to hold back like just hearing the clips i can laugh but yeah like, yeah if i actually met anyone like this yeah i i don't know what i do i really don't yeah well there therein lies the problem 
there are, are, are people out there that are buying this insane message. Right. And yeah. it's, yeah, I mean, really. And they have to separate out reality from that. <laughs> right. right. Whatever they they that can't is. do that, though. They can't. No, they're I don't, incapable. They're, that's they the are thing. Incapable. I don't think you'd be able to convince them otherwise. No, they're they, gone. They've bought into this whatever it is and it's yeah whatever it is i don't i, I don't know how you would that's yeah. the thing i don't know what i do because i don't i don't think i could actually have the conversation I'm, I'm good at having conversations with people i don't agree with right i'm fine with that right i like to do that because i like to see other perspectives but this i don't a little over i don't the think they would be able to handle having the conversation right right yeah there's just some people <laughs> where it's like yeah it's it's already Kind of a loss. You kind of see it in their eyes. <laughs> it's, in like, their, it's in their eyes. <laughs> right. Like, uh, yep, there it, yeah. they're there it is. Yeah. They're gone. We've already <laughs> lost this one. Yeah. Oh, oh, boy. Well, That's what I mean. There's so many things you need to sort out. And yeah. there's a lot of folks that just can't, are not, incapable of sorting it out. Right. Yeah. You know, and you want to, you want to shake them up and wake them up. Right. It ain't happening. Yeah. You know, there's uh, perhaps a lost cause. Yes. Yes. I, I think of, uh, Matt, I've never seen the show Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. I have, yes. So the episode he has with uh, President Obama, it's pretty funny because Jerry asked the question like, you know, is there any of these, uh, you know, world leaders that you meet and talk to that you, you look at and you're like, oh, yeah, they they are gone. Yeah. They are crazy. And they're not, the, there's there's nothing there. Right, right. <laughs> and his, his answer was very simple. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't enumerate like any the of the power right? and just <laughs> yeah. whatever it is, just and there's there's no going back. Yeah, it's weird to think about that. But from the studios of WMNH ninety five point three FM in downtown Manchester, New Hampshire, you are tuned in to the best of Matt Connerton Unleashed. Trump's a guff guy, cookie double stuff guy, a marshmallow fluff guy, just put him in cuffs guy. Trump's the bad type, calls everything sad type, not sure he can add type, had a Nazi dad type. Trump's the bad guy. Duh. Imagine your new bathroom. 
A sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bath Fitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bath Fitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. Bath Fitter.